Welcome everyone to episode number 13 of the Suited Kings podcast. You might be wondering why I'm doing the intro today, and it's with great sadness that I actually have to announce that Max is no longer with us. Uh, Yeah, I quit, dude. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't sure which way I was going to go with that. I'm like, is he dead or did I fire him somehow or... Well, let's just say that you killed me. Well, that would be pretty bad of me to announce to the whole world. I suppose, yeah. You just buried me uh, financially, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we played heads up and I just... (laughs) We played heads up for the right to do the podcast alone and... Yeah, he, I mean, so so I'm I'm currently uh, out of out of work. So if anyone needs a podcast host or a music producer or a realtor, you can just holler at me. There you uh, go. You can find me on Twitter. No, <laughs> that actually turned into a decent plug. I feel I like. love it. Let's go. Um, episode thirteen, lucky episode thirteen, Wes. You know that was actually at some point in my high school baseball career. I think it was in middle school. I was number thirteen every year, and I chose. Why? Uh, number three. Because it was, I don't know. I like being contrarian. I love, yeah. n- lo- three is my favorite number, but I n- I'll never put a one in front of it. It's just a fail. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it worked <laughs> for me. Um, you know, Wes, I, uh, I've been really wanting to go on a vacation, do the beach life thing. Um, unfortunately, I'm getting, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I was going to say, unfortunately, I'm getting married, but fortunately. <laughs> don't, don't her parents listen to this sometimes? I mean. <laughs> Shoot. Um, what I was trying to get at here is that because I can't go to the Bahamas, we're just going to be uh, watching Bahamas online this week. Yeah, so there have been a lot of big tournaments recently, like on stream and whatnot. I think as we're recording this, we just talked about the the WPT Prime final table just happened last night. Which you entered that tournament, right? Yep. It was one of my one-bullet small caches that I okay. had out in Vegas. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, there's the $1 million final table, right? The, yeah. Uh, the one one drop? Yeah, the one yeah, drop, the one, $1 drop. million dollar buy-in final table. They're down yeah. to the final six or seven. Only four get paid. Imagine right, yeah, it's that. only 17. So, like, final table does not really, you know, it doesn't mean what it usually does. Uh, but. To s- touch on that topic before we move on, I saw Chad Holloway, I believe, uh, make a uh, a tweet saying that he thought the line was going to be like 15 and a half and a bunch of pros chimed in and were like not a chance like bullshit <laughs> and i think they got 17 didn't they yeah that's pretty close so i'd say that's a pretty good line right yeah chad well good. done even all that backlash you got yeah well done stick with your guns yeah looking forward to also watching that tonight you got all the killers in there i actually might throw that on too that's i think one of the best ways i learn is just watching very good players mm-hmm. Uh, play against each other and whatnot. Who's who's even on that final table? I, I think Chidwick's there. Uh, I honestly, I'd have to look at it again. I, I can't mm-hmm. remember. But one thing I kind of want to mention for people who are going to watch it tonight: just remember that, like, and this is kind of the tournaments you're going to play in aren't going to be players of this caliber. So don't try and imitate too much of what they're doing, rather than just trying to figure out what they're doing and why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you always might try something like this against uh, an unexperienced opponent and just get your face melted off. So that's what we're trying to <laughs> to remove here. Definitely. And also, you know, one thing I like about, you know, when I go to Vegas or when I play in these tough tournaments is I actually do get to implement this sort of stuff a little bit, you know? Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, it's important to learn it as well for when you do come into those, yeah. when you're playing events such as that. Yeah. How long till you fire the million-dollar buy-in? I mean, I fired this year. No, <laughs> uh, I I think I will probably never play a million dollar buy in. I will probably not 
ever play anything close to that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Did you ever have a desire to be a high roller or play any high roller yeah. events? I mean, the thing for me, and this could be a whole different topic we talk about on the podcast, but it's like I would rather sort of continue to succeed and slowly move up in stakes if I move up in stakes. Like my goal is more to to enjoy playing, play well, and like make a living from yeah you know like follow your to, guidelines you don't need to shot take in 100k right away right yeah there's no reason to play these huge stakes obviously not a million but even like 25k yeah 25 or 10ks because it's like well i wouldn't even have most of myself right now yeah. and so it, and and i think we talked about this on the on the rec poker podcast where it's like let's say you can play a 1k and have all yourself or a 5K and have 20 or 25% of yourself, it's like, well, you're going to have a bigger edge in the 1K. So, like, why are you having the same amount of risk slash exposure yeah. in that turn? I mean, you know, if you sell for markup, yeah, I get it. Or Well, I do admire you for being able to stay within those those lines that you've set for yourself because I know you were just in Vegas and I know you have the bankroll to play a 10k such as the WPT main event well, that's going it, on right that's now. That's the thing though is like I don't actually like I, I, I can play it obviously but I right I mean by so, actual pro bankroll guidelines. Like right, I right, right. I mean you could you could it. easily sell I'm saying you could easily sell action and still not worry financially about the yes, the, the tournament. But you just decided that hey like I'm working different angles here. I'm working different spots. I can play these 1Ks and these 500s and whatever and just make a comfortable living without having to risk this much and then, you know, have to start, you know, yeah, yeah, I take don't, steps back. I don't want to have to, like, I think we talked about this once. I don't want to FOMO buy into tournaments like, oh, it's, I'm sure it was good value. A lot of people do that, including myself. So I understand. It, it's and, a smart thing to not do. And, like, I've probably done it too, for yeah. sure. But Okay. okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd rather, and also I just don't like being in Vegas that long. Yeah, I mean, you somehow, I mean, you did, like I said, you did win a quarter million at right away earlier this summer, but that's probably why it was easy to stay there 40 days, but (laughs) you were there for a week this time and you're like, and I I actually, I literally, I had a flight out on Friday, so I would have been out nine days. I booked a flight two days earlier to just get right out of there when I was done with the tournament. I didn't even have a refundable flight, so I paid an extra money just to get out of there two days early. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, man. Um, well, Wes, I, I just want to say that you did a fantastic job with the intro. Oh, thanks. Um, I'll be taking it from here, though. <laughs> okay. <yeah>. Well. <laughs> just play it, dog. Um, today's episode, we get into the Bahamas, the WSOP Paradise main event um, we're going to be breaking down a bunch of hands from the middle of the tourney all the way to the end and just dissecting them, seeing what people are doing. <laughs> we got a bunch of good hands lined up today, kind of ranging from I, pot controlling to punting. Yeah, I was surprised. So I, I watched – so my three hands are all from day three. There's a stream. It, it starts with like 50 left or 40-something left. And I think the stream goes down to seven left, but I was shocked. I like started near the beginning and so quickly I was like, I have these three hands we can talk about. Like we don't need any more. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Yeah. And I got three from the final table. So we'll just go in kind of sequential order. We'll start with your day three hands and then 
I think day four was the final. Yeah, day yeah, four yeah. was day the final three, table. they played down to seven. I think, so this tournament was a lot different than the actual WSOP main event structure-wise and everything. This was a 5K uh, buy-in compared to a 10K buy-in. Um, I think it was, what was the prize pool on this? Do you remember? I don't. I don't yeah, actually. I don't remember the prize pool on it, but I think it's somewhere around $5 million up top, if I can remember correctly. We I should probably it, double check. No, no, no. Stuff. I think it was like two. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. It was like a $15 million prize pool. There's been so much poker streamed lately that yeah. I forget which one's which. No. I've been watching EPT Prague. I've been watching the Because then there the was the 10K in Vegas. And then, too. yeah, there's just, yeah. So anyways, I'm getting mixed up here a little bit. Let's get into some hands uh, and let's learn some stuff. All right, so hand number one that I wanted to go over. So the situation we're in here is it's day three. The payouts are over 40K. Um, so this is a 5K. So we're already pretty deep in. The blinds are 40, 80, 80K. So pretty large. Uh, the first hand, it folds around to the small blind. And this is a guy who, his last name is Graham. And I think they said he's like an investor of some sort. So definitely... Never seen him before. Yeah, he's an amateur to an extent. He must he must be a pretty decent player if he's, you know, making it this far. And I, I can tell by the way he plays, because actually two of my three hands involve him. Mm. He's definitely a thinking player. I don't know how good he is or not, but he's definitely thinking, and he has a plan in his hands. So Okay, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I think, so it folds around to the small blind, right? So there's no action. To- yep. And that's him. And he has 800, or he started with 900K, small blind 40K. So he has 860. He limps. So he has what, two, 11 and a half bigs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's got, yeah, to start the hand. Yeah, like 11. So he limps. 10, 6 of hearts. Are we, do we have any? No, no, no. He has queen five off. All right, sorry. We're looking at the screen yeah, here. Yeah, you're, so we have this stream up. So queen, yeah, he's got queen of hearts, five of clubs. Are we uh, ever folding or jamming this? Uh, we definitely can't fold it blind versus blind. I mean, we're just too... Yeah. Is queen high enough to jam here? Well, for 11 bigs versus the big blind who has, what, 2.24 million at 80K? Yeah. So he's got just under 30 bigs. Yeah. I mean, the big blind stack doesn't really matter unless he has less than us. But queen, it's very close. Like, when you're around 10 big blinds, I would say any king is strong enough to jam here. Yeah. Even like king deuce off. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then I don't think, especially when you're out of position against a player. So, so I don't think I mentioned the big blind here, Brandon Adams. He's a consummate pro. Yeah. He is a crusher. So, so when you're in a position like that, where the big blind is a much stronger player than you, which Graham probably is aware of. That might make jamming more profitable. So you're not getting outplayed. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate a jam here. Okay. Um, I think a limp is fine. Like queen five off isn't great. You can limp fold it pretty okay. easily. Okay. So Graham in the small blind off 11 bigs limps with a queen of hearts and five of clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, uh, Brandon, Brandon Adams? Brandon Adams. Is in the big blind with 10 of hearts and six of hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, are we always just checking this back? I don't even hate a jam. I think, I think are we never f- clicking. Are we only dra- jamming because of the 11 bigs? If we raise, we're going to jam. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think... What, the last thing I was going to say is Graham. You want to make sure, because you can limp a lot of these weak hands from the small line, mm-hmm. but at these short stacks, you also want to make sure that you're going to limp in a lot of pocket pairs, like the yeah. bigger ones and then yeah. some... Pocket nines. Yep. Remember? <laughs> Referencing the gladiator five yeah. tail. Yeah. yeah. It, 
I did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> it did. Anyways, yeah. I, I think Adams, he'll want to jam if he has like an ace, a king, you know, small pocket pair. If he's going to do a small raise size, maybe he'd do it with like his super strong hands and then also like an 8-3 off suit where he can raise small and then and just, just fold, fold to a jam. That's, yep. that's a, okay. I like that. All right. So Adams decides to go with the check back. I think pretty standard. And I think he also recognizes like he's probably a lot better than this guy. So he's going to figure it out post-flop a lot more often than not. Okay. And uh, so the flop comes queen of spades, eight of diamonds, four of hearts. Mm -hmm. So small blind Graham has top pair with a queen of hearts and then a five kicker. Again, flop is queen, eight, four. So without... My first initial thought here is if this was me, I would just go with a small bet, like a one big blind bet. Yeah. And so I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. I did uh, This one I did throw into GTO Wizard and it mostly likes to bet yeah. this. I think hands that I would probably do that with on a board like this, again, it's queen eight four. I would do it with like any queen X, any eight X, um, nine tens, jack tens, like gutters and stuff like that. Anything with a little bit of equity or 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 pairs, stuff like that. I know one other thing I thought too, and when you sent me this hand, my initial thought was, I also don't mind checking back the queen as a trap. Or not checking back, but checking Checking, as a a trap. Yeah, I think the fact that... The board's pretty dry, so you're not really worried about a lot. And also one thing to think about is, you know, we talked about how Adams should jam a lot of ace-x or king-x pre. So like the queen high fly, like it's not a vulnerable hand, you know? So it actually makes some sense to trap if you want to go that route too. Yeah, because like you're not worried about either overcard. And there aren't any immediate flush draws. Like obviously there are gutters, but this is a board that's on the drier side. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I think it's good to note that like at this point, you know, he has 820 back and the pot's 240k. Like we're we're not uncomfortable with the idea of getting it in with queen top pair right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, with 11 bigs. Yeah. Um before we kind of move on with the action, what hands are you going to be leading here with if you're at, if you're Graham? So I think if I well, first off, if I had trapped aces or kings, yep. I would do that. I would mostly bet with a queen. I would definitely bet some gut like if I limped in with six seven off, mm-hmm. I, I would have jammed those suited hands. Like mm-hmm. Six, but, seven suited, five, six suited. Yeah. Offsuit, I may have limped a little bit more. And so I would bet those as a bluff, especially because it's like six or seven high. If Adams just has like jack six, or, you know, jack three, like we get to fold out a lot of better hands just right away. The instant folds. What about like the jack tens and uh, and the and the nine tens? Are you going to lead those? Probably less. I think jack ten, I might just check call because like we're, we're ahead a lot of the time. And because he's not going to have ace or king high. Or we have equity against any pairs like eights and fours. Yep. Yeah, I think jack 10, I'm probably just going to check. That's fair. And then five, six, we lose some of that equity because if he has a pair of eights, we can't, you know, I mean, our turn, we can't turn a pair that will put us in the lead. Mm -hmm. I like that. Okay, that's cool. So Graham uh, in the small blind decides to turn his queen into a check here. He doesn't lead it. So there's been no significant action so far. It went limp, check back, pre-flop. Then Graham flops top pair with queen five and checks it. Adams is in the big blind with 10, six of hearts. So he has no connection. He has a little, uh, the backdoor flush draw. He's got like a backdoor straight draws, I guess. Yeah. He's got the double backdoor. This strikes me as sort of a, it would, I would understand a bluff or a check back here. It's like 10 high is probably good 
occasionally, but also if you bet one blind tier, there are a lot of turn cards that you pick up equity on where you could barrel yeah. again. And I would hate to like bet like one or two big blinds and then just get stuffed on and not get to realize. So I think checking back here is fine to try. We and do, yeah, we do have not in this spot, but a lot of times we have a decent amount of equity with this hand. So okay. it goes check, check. And the turn card is the Ace of Diamonds. So the Ace of Diamonds is kind of an interesting card in that we've sort of established no one will really have an ace here, right? Right, yeah. I mean, the only person that could have an ace is Graham, who would be trapping preflop. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, Adams would have put Graham all in preflop with any ace. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to take any uh, ace out of uh, Adams. Adams, right. And Graham should have jammed a lot of, like, he he will be, if someone has an ace, it should be him. Okay. But he also shouldn't have at this stack depth, like, it should have just gone in preflop mostly. But you're right that he, like, ace-king or ace-queen, maybe ace-jack, ace like, he could have somewhere he limped it in. Okay. Um, We're talking Graham, right? Graham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so it goes, uh, the ace of diamonds on the turn, once again, so Graham's probably not loving this ace of diamonds because now he has second pair, but it, again, you know, it's probably easy for him to deduce that uh, Adams doesn't have an ace here, and he's probably kind of pot controlling at this point. So he he checks. Yeah, he checks, and I kind of like it in the sense that, like, now, now I don't know, against a player like Adams, who's very good, I don't know that he's going to fall into this, but this is something I would think to do a lot of the time, because I'm like, it's sort of clear that I don't have an ace. So if you're against a player who's sort of just thinking on that level, you could induce a bet here. And I think it's, you know, important to say that at this point, like, Graham is still kind of trapping too. yeah like he he knows he's almost always ahead here yeah yeah um it brings in the second diamond no one even has a diamond um so if we're looking at hands we're betting as a bluff now that we had checked on the flop you know if if we had ever checked something with two diamonds I yeah think that's an obvious yeah. bluff yeah um, like nine five of diamonds or something like that yep nine five of diamonds Anything similar to that. Yeah, okay. All right. So <clears throat> the Ace of Diamonds comes on the turn uh, to keep the action moving. It goes check, check again. And you might be wondering, like, why is this why, hand even yeah, being why talked we about? This hand out? You'll, you'll see here shortly as things change on the river a little bit. So, yeah. <clears throat> And I think it's – we don't need to spend much time on Adam's decision, but I think the check back now makes a ton of sense because, like, we can't rep the Ace. We're not really representing anything with a bet now. And so even if he had Diamonds, I think – in his spot, I would check anything, even if I had two diamonds. Yeah, just because uh, his range shouldn't have any of that stuff in it. So, or the ace, the it, ace I should say, yep. not the diamonds. So, um, all right. So, yeah, it goes check, check. And then we get the massively board changing three of spades. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really. I mean, if Adams had five deuce or yeah. like three, four, that's about it. Five deuce or three, four. Um, so, bigger, he probably would have bet. Okay, so if you're Graham here, are we ever now trying to maybe get a little value in betting this river, knowing our opponent doesn't have many aces, so we could try and maybe get value from any 3x, 4x, or 8x? Yeah, so I think at this point, unless Adams ran into, yeah, 4-3 or deuce 5, but, like, those may have even bet before, I don't know, but we're, we're like, 98 or 99% sure we're ahead here. Okay. And so I would probably bet on the larger – I mean, the the pot is like three big blinds. Right? Yeah, 240K in the pot at 80K. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I would go – you know, I might bet quote-unquote big. So two like, and a half? Two, yeah, two – maybe even full pot. Okay. Um, and, and 
GTO Wizard is a big proponent. It it doesn't it has a couple different bet sizes, but it's like you should always bet okay. the queen here. Okay. Um, so uh, opposed to what GTO thinks, mm-hmm. uh, Graham once again checks. So he flat he limped pre and then has checked all checked three streets with with, top, he, with a flop top pair second pair by the river. Yeah, which I think we can effectively call this top pair because we know. Adam yeah, I have th- and I think I mean I'm wondering what Graham's thought process is here. I'm wondering if he's doing this knowing he has the best hand, hoping that he can induce something from Adams by the action so far. <laughs> I think that I'm I think thinking we'll figure it out. Yeah, I think we'll figure it out. So Graham checks and then what, actions on Adam on this river. There's two hundred forty thousand in the pot. Graham has 820 behind, so almost, you know, almost 3x, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around that, 3x the pot. Uh, what's the action? So Adams goes all in, or he puts Graham all in for a little over 3x pot. Graham snap calls before the camera can even fully see what's happening. His cards are on his back, or on their backs. And, so Graham was yeah. essentially trapping or trying to induce by checking yeah. this entire way. So, so yeah, I think even though Graham... We would have played it differently, I think, against the population as a whole. Betting for value would be better. He clearly had a plan, and it worked. So, like, I wonder if this was this plan was specifically because he was playing someone such as Mr. Adams, who you know is capable of making big plays. You big, know I mean? Yeah, big bluffs like this, where it's like he's gonna put in a ton of chips. And I yeah, I, I mean, being as good as he is, I wonder what kind of pressure he's applying here. Instead of just betting like maybe pot or something like that, he three x pots to put grandma in. He must think he can get him to fold any four, eight, or three. Essentially, is what he's aiming for. Maybe so. I think so. The first thing is like GTO Wizard. Not that this is how Graham would be playing, but it wants to call with any pair, and it's kind of indifferent, even if you have King Jack High here. So GTO, uh, the solver wants Graham to call with any pair, the three mm-hmm. X pot jam. Yeah, and it's it only loves calling with a queen. It would be correct here, yeah. as Adams has ten high. <laughs> yeah, I think the recognition is like it's either like Adams' value bets he- are all going to beat. Either he's got two, five, three, four, or it's nothing, essentially, right? Right, yeah. Pocket threes would have jammed pre. Yeah. Any ace would have. Eight, three might have been. I think eight, three was that hand I said I would raise as a bluff pre-flop, too. Yeah, yeah, you did. I I wasn't even thinking about Which would have been a river two pair here. So, essentially, like, he just has, like, deuce five. Deuce five or three, four, maybe. And so, I guess it's fair to say, like, if he had those, he would probably go all in for value if he's doing this as a bluff you know okay yeah but i'm also like is 10 high ever just good here because i I think the the you're beating five sixes uh six sevens uh yeah yeah seven nine could be ahead of like nine so yeah i so actually i guess he's probably mostly targeting he could be targeting some of the weaker pairs he has to because like imagine if he has jack high or king high here he doesn't need to bet 3x pot to get those to fold. Probably not. Probably not. But like, I feel like know, his, yeah, I feel like his 3x sizing makes it almost easier to call because it looks like there, there's not many hands that are going to be value betting that size. Whereas if he were to bet three fourths pot or pot, there's a he lot could more. have like an eight or something. Yeah, he could be repping hands that may, uh, there's his value range widens up. So by 3x potting, his value range slims way down. Whereas if he bets that pot or three fourths, yeah. he's, value range all of a sudden has eights in it and better queens etc yeah i totally agree with that actually it the big bet polarizes him a lot and 
yeah, like if he if he did bet, obviously, like this does this doesn't factor in when Graham has a queen. Yeah, but if we if Graham had like a four, when Adams bets maybe two hundred into two forty, he could be recognizing that his ten eight is almost always good, and he's going for value. Yeah. Whereas this, I don't think he would jam for value with an eight. Yeah, no, I mean, three x not 3X pot either. So, like, mm-hmm. I, again, it's one of those spots where it's like one of the first rules you learned in poker where it's like you don't want to uh, – val- God damn it, I lost you, my you, train of thought. But you don't want to value on yourself essentially. Yeah, you want – when you're making a bet with a hand that you think is the best hand, you want most of the hands that you get called by to be ones you beat. You know, like yeah, you don't want exactly. to – you don't want to yeah. – blast off the hands that you're beating so that you're mostly just getting called by the hands that beat you. you. Yeah. And that's what, unless you're bluffing. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. So a very interesting hand. This is the first one we went over today in the WSOP paradise hand review. So, uh, Adams ends up losing a decent chunk. Graham doubles up. We got a bunch more hands to get into. Let's, let's do it. All right. Hand number two is not too much later on here. We're at the same table. Same blind level. Yep. Blinds are still 40, 80, 80K, and Brandon, Brandon Adams is still in the hand. So he is in the hijack. He's got just over 1.2 million. So that's just over 15 big blinds. He min raises to 160. He's got ace 10 offsuit. I, I love uh, I love just raising here um, as an open fold, not open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't scare me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I mean by that is I love raising and then folding to three bets instead of just going all in pre-flop with 15 bigs from the hijack with ace 10 off. If I had, like we were mentioned earlier, maybe like 12 or 11, we can just go all in with this hand here. Yeah. And and cause we have, you know, a lot of fold deck. We can just pick up the blinds. But with 15 b- bigs, I think that's just over the line to where we want to get it all in. Yeah, I'm fully on board with everything you just said. We're We're too deep to just rip this kind of hand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's too weak of a hand to call off if we get three bet. Oh, God, this hand is spicy. Yeah, this is a cool one. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Adams opens, hijack, ace, 10 on 15 bigs. We have Zhao. So Zhao, um, don't know much about him as a player. Never seen him. Um, he's got just under 2 million, so he's got just under 25 bigs. And he's in the cutoff. He has queen, jack, of clubs, which is already kind of an interesting spot because Adams has 15 bigs and, like, this is not. This is actually a pretty good hand to three bet jam because you do get to fold out a lot better hands, and you also have equity against like ace king tens nines eight. And Zhao has what like twenty three four big something like that. Twenty four, yeah. So it, the one thing that sucks is like if you jam and someone wakes up with a hand behind, behind you. you. Yeah, that's the biggest issue. Like if it, if this was cut off button, I think I'm jamming it. So a decent amount. Actually. Did, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but Zhao um, Adams opens Zhao. You can tell he already looked at his cards because the camera's on him immediately and he didn't peel them. So he had already looked at his cards and then he does this weird double hand thing where he puts his left hand over his left card, his right hand over his right card, does a little like voodoo finger movement over one points to his right card and then pulls his hands back without doing nothing. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that specifically. Well, well I'll show you that later so we can keep this show yeah, rolling. And, but and, and yeah, it was know, just the some, listeners. Yeah, it was weird. This was a good one to watch on video if you're if you're listening because it's it, we can't do it justice by f- describing it fully. But there's a lot of live stuff going on here. So it's the non-final table WSOP Paradise main event stream. Uh, it's at the 59 minute uh, mark. So if if you're watching the stream, it's day three, uh, 59 minute mark. You can see, but the mannerisms in this one are important. Anyways. 
not that that plays a big role. I just wanted you to notice it. And Mr. Adams is just staring at his hand. So he noticed something was weird about that. Um, what happens from there? So then Zhao, he cuts, he picks up 300k chips and he goes for other chips. So it looks like he's putting in a small three bet. Yeah. And he just looks at Adams and then he puts out a call. While still staring While at Adams. While still staring at him. Yeah. yeah so he has, the, he has the three bet chips in his hand. With his other hand, he takes off the re-raise part of the chips and then puts in the call, but while all at the same time staring at Adams. So he's essentially angle shooting. Like he's trying to get a read off Adams by what he, he what he would think if he was to three bet. So he's trying to get a reaction. Yeah, out of he's Adams. either angling or he's trying to level Adams into thinking he's angling. You, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, it's it's an angle of some sort. Like he's trying to get a reaction by doing an action that he, you know, I guess he. The truth is, with his hand, he could go either way. So that's this is in his a, defense. This is an awkward one. It is. So um, flatting when your opponent has 15 blind. It's just you're not going to realize that much equity post-flop necessarily. And so, yeah. And so he ends up on, he lands on call while doing all that weird angling stuff. Yeah. So then we get to the button guy named Chamas. Most of you may know him as Beruzi. He's a GG Poker um, ambassador. Yeah, and I didn't know that, but that's yeah, yeah, good to know. So he he's immediately got an interesting spot too, because hijack and cutoff are in there, and they're both shortish. But he he also has just over one point six million. So, so he's, he's got, got just over twenty bigs, just over twenty, and he has Ace Nine offsuit. So this is like another hand where. You should probably fold, but you have an ace blocker. Like, he's seen some weird and stuff. And a bunch of weird information being displayed in front of him. I mean, if again, you got to watch this video, but with all the weird angling and stuff that just happened, uh, it got his it got his bells, you know, ringing a little bit. Yeah, so he kind of tanks for a long time. He puts out a three bet to 400K. So he 2.5Xs, which is like against one open, that makes some sense that this stack depth could go a little smaller, but against an open and a call, like that's you're just so, not going to get many folds with this sizing either. I mean, you kind of maybe, maybe not. Like again, the, off his stack being on twenty bigs. I mean, I know there's but, a bunch of weird shit happening in front of this, but I think fold is just where you I, should be landing here. Fold is the best play. I think the the one thing is like if you're going to do anything here. If you're going to three bet, just in general, Stuff with it. any hand, most of your three bets are going to be all in. Yeah, with 20 bigs. Yeah, especially when one opponent has 15 or something. So it it's it raises red flags when he does that. Now, to be fair, I think he would do this with like the big pairs, aces, kings, queens, too. I think that this is the sort of spot where if you're going to squeeze, do it with, you know, squeeze to a small three bet size. Yeah. You want to do it with the absolute strongest hands yep. where you're inducing action. And then, yeah, have some sort of raggedy. It's plus. really hard to balance that. <laughs> yeah. And and also, I think this is a hand where in the moment he just knew something was up. Yeah. he saw, I mean, he saw all the theatrics that happened just shortly before that. So he goes with the three bet uh, to 400K. when. So the original raise was to 160K. Zhao called 160K. Beruzi makes it 400K on the button. So both blinds fold. And then Adams also folds. Adams folds. So this is this is a good defense of the play in a sense, because you know, he got a bet he got a dominating hand to fold out with just this small three bet. 
But he still has to worry about Zhao, who did a bunch of weird shit right in front of him. Like, acted like he was going to three bet, then just landed on call and yeah. has 20, just over 20 bigs. Like, man, it's, it's just big risky here. You know what I mean? It is. So I, th- I think we don't need to talk too much about Adams. I think you and I both agree. You kind of have to fold because we might, we think we might be being trapped by Zhao and then. Obviously, you know. He just, with the action behind him and all the stuff, yeah. Ace 10 is just going into the muck immediately for me here. It yeah, sucks, but it we is. We could be crushed in either spot, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Zhao. So once the there's the fold. So now, one thing to keep in mind, too, is now there's like an extra 160 just sitting in, dead in the middle, yeah. too. Which is crucial at this point, considering how short all these three of these players were. Yeah. If we're up against, I guess, yeah, with Zhao, it's sort of. It's a tough spot again. Like, we could call, but we're just, at that point, the stack to pot ratio is going to be, like, one. And then we might be up against a hand that's crushing us. or And then we're out of position, too. It just... Yeah. Um, what happens at this point? So Zhao pretty quickly just goes all in. He just says, I'm all in. And then gets the snap fold from Chamas. So, like... Did we ever mention... We did mention that Baruzzi has... Chamas, a.k.a. Baruzzi, has just ace-nine, right? We yeah. did mention it. Okay, so, so, yeah, he snap folds it. I love this by Zhao, even though he angled early, just a little bit earlier than that. He... Because he acted like he was going to three-bet, he followed through with his story. Yeah, he stuck with the story of, like, I have a big pair. Yeah. Now, to be fair, he might trap with a big pair again here, but... Yeah. Just yeah. call, yeah. I mean, if he has aces, he might he, just call, yeah. Yeah, this was a leveling war work. He recognized that Chamas recognized that there was some Weird. funky stuff yeah. going on, mm-hmm. and yeah. Now the thing is, occasionally he ran, he'll run into like aces here, but yeah. But somehow Zhao, with the worst of all three hands, wins a big pot. <laughs> it's a pretty big pot at that point. Yeah, yeah. like it's he picks up you know five hundred sixty plus the blind, so seven hundred sixty k. So just under like seven or eight bigs. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Okay, math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nine and a half bigs, which at this point where they're all like 15 to 25, these guys at least are 15 to 25 bigs deep. Like that's a big pot. Yeah. I mean, these kind of plays deep in these massive events like this are, it's fun to watch for sure. But I just, again, uh, I, I so the only plays I take away that I like from this, I like the open with ace 10 and then the fold. Um, I don't like the angle with the queen jack where he looked like he was going to three bet and then lands on call. I just, I don't know. It's, uh, and then he gives him the look. I don't know. It's just something rubs me wrong about that. Although it paid off yeah. firm in dividends here. I would, I would probably have just three bet jammed. jammed yeah. The queen jack clubs. Yeah. I agreed with that. And then, um, and I think what I hate most of all this is bruisey getting cute with the ace nine off um, considering the stack depths. Maybe if they're a lot deeper, um, you could make some plays like this. But I think at this stack depth, I just don't like it as much. I think it's just too risky to. I mean, you're putting what four of he put in four of his twenty bigs, so twenty percent, five or five, bigs, yeah. even more. So I actually kind of liked it personally. Your fish, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> just I, I know you like getting cute. I we play poker together. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, it's okay for us to disagree. I. Uh, I do like that Zhao followed through with the plan, sort of, or the plan of saying he had a big hand. Yeah, I like that. And I do, one thing I do like about uh, Chamas, aka Baruzzi's uh, three bet there, is that those are the kind of plays you sometimes need to make. Maybe not in this scenario for me specifically, but those are the kind of cues that you want to take on to be a successful player. You can't just play A, B, C all the time. Like these are spots where they're very unique and dynamic and, and can be complex. So, 
he noticed a bunch of weird stuff on it and and went with his gut there. So I can't hate him for that. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's get into hand number three. So Wes, how does the action go? They all go all in. No. Um, <laughs> so this Blind. one involves uh, David Peters, who... Most I, of us know. Yeah, most of us know. High roller. Uh, Crusher. Probably top 10 all-time money earner, I would assume. He might be, yeah. I can't remember for sure. But he's, he's got tens of millions in earnings. He's though. way up there. He has several bracelets. Yeah. Um, Just a very well-known pro. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he has not that many chips. He has 1.6 million, and we're up to 5,100K now. So he has 16 bigs. Okay. He has a seven of clubs in the low jack, and he actually goes for the raise to 230K. Interesting. Uh, why, why not the min click here? So <clears throat> looking at the blinds, the reason for it is Adams is in the big blind, and he only has, before the hand started, he had 850. Uh. So he eight point five big. So he's yeah. trying to. Uh, so so with the ante out there, he's got seven point five. So he's trying to give Adams a worse price to just flat. He's trying to eliminate stop and go spots. Yes, I think that is exactly what he's doing. Okay, so what a stop and go would be is where he would open two hundred instead of two hundred and thirty to then where Brian could flat and then just jam flops. He could just call pre and then jam flops with any sort of equity draw. So yep. he's trying to eliminate that by not giving him a good price pre. Yep. Yeah, I think that's exactly, yeah, exactly what he's doing. So he opens the 230. Graham, so this is the guy from the first hand who's the amateur, like, investor guy. Yep, yep. The guy who made a snap all-in call for three times pot with second pair. Legend. Love it. That was nice. He's got king-queen offsuit, king of spades, queen of hearts, which will be maybe slightly relevant, the suits. Um, he decides to just flat from the small blind. On 15 bigs, how do we like this? Do we just want to jam this? Yeah, it's not terrible. Like, if you're going to flat, it makes some sense to have this sort of hand, but, like, you can definitely make an argument for jamming, especially, again, like, you're up again, you're out of position against this guy who's one of the best players probably in the world. Yeah. If it's a spot where it would normally be close, that would lean me more towards like let's just jam and try to pick it up, pick up the pot now. Okay. Because I think, especially out of position, we're going to get outplayed more than we're going to do the outplaying. Yeah, especially against someone like David Peters. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, kind of, yeah. I don't hate it, but I, I'm, yeah. Going back to our reasoning from earlier, like against the best in the world and playing out of position against them, you probably just want to jam to avoid any nonsense. Mm Anyways. Or maybe even fold. <laughs> we don't on. fold. Max, Come on. <laughs> Max, you would never do yeah, that. I know. You're right. Yeah, you're probably true. That's right. Um, so, yeah, anyways, David raises to 230K. Graham in the small blind with 15 bigs lands on a call. Um, and then Adams does fold the big blind. So we got 660K in the pot here. And we got the flop of jack of clubs, eight of clubs, six of diamonds. So as a reminder, Peter says a seven of clubs here. So he flops the nut flush draw. An absolutely monster flop for Peters. Yeah. So, and then Graham flops pretty much nothing. He's got a backdoor straight draw and two over cards. No backdoor flush draw of any yeah, sort. He's got the king of spades, queen of hearts on. Yeah. Just so he's got, yeah, just two overs and a potential backdoor straight draw. So, yeah. All right. So Graham checks and... You know, looking at the hands here, as I was watching this hand, I figured, like, oh, Peters is just going to bet small and the pot's going to be over, right? That's what I was thinking as well. Because he has a hand, not flush draw over card. You know, he has a hand that very comfortably can just get all in here. You know, my I would 
anticipate he bets small, and then if he yeah if gets raised, it's just he's going just gonna in. get it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think he landed on? So he he ends up he checked it. He yeah. checks it back. I mean, do we should be able to remove sixes, eights, and jacks from our opponent because those should be going in pre, right? Like the sets. Yeah. Yes. So all sets should be gone. So he's essentially. I mean, I know ace high is often the best hander. Is he just pot controlling then? Yeah, I think his logic is like he, you know, the jack especially. Like it could be the case that Graham flats a lot of, you know, maybe king jack, queen jack, uh, suited suited connectors. So like he either has a pair or like 10-9 suited where. So he's trying to realize equity before he gets chips in instead of getting in in a flip spot against something like a middling pair with a straight draw or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Like he'll have, uh, yeah, he's he's looking to avoid getting it in against a pair right now. Okay, um, and you know, there's a little deception there too, where most of the time when you know if, if you're the out of position player here, in position checks it back, and if the flush comes in, you're not expecting them to have a flush very much. Yeah, I know exactly, and we've talked about that before actually. Um, so. The turn comes, so it goes check, check. The turn comes the nine of diamonds. So it's a two-tone board now. It's a jack of clubs, eight of clubs, six of diamonds, nine of diamonds. So Peters now has uh, an up and down straight draw with the nut flush draw. And Graham just has two overs with the gutter to the 10. The gutter gutter straight draw. So any 10 that's not a a diamond or a club would give him the nut straight. Yep. Um, so he's still drawing slim. I mean, Peters on this turn is 84%. Graham's a 16% favorite. Yeah, he's got, what, seven outs. Three of the 10s are alive, and then two of the kings, two of the queens. So, I, so I'm so i curious to your thoughts. I'll tell you my thoughts before, and mm-hmm. you can we'll see here. I like So Graham elects to lead here um, uh, just like, what, under third pot, something like that? Yeah, he. I think he he leads exactly third pot. He leads third pot. So um, two twenty. I mean, I just think I, the reason I think this is good is because Peters has a lot of aces, ace kings, and ace queens. He's gonna fold. Um, yeah. So I know we block those with king queen, but I mean, yeah, you know, there's they're, they're that, definitely in there. After he checks back that flop, he has a lot of that in his range. Yeah, he'll have ace ten, ace nine, ace. Seven, you know, he'll he, have. He could also have pocket fives, pocket fours, pocket threes, probably. Um, yeah, there's a certain, like, I think deuces and threes, he probably just folds pre-flop at the step. Yeah, maybe seven. So, I mean, there's still pocket pairs that don't aren't wanting yeah. to get chips in here that he would open pre. What I would also say is I kind of like it, too, because this is going to be, like, the only hand we have that doesn't have at least a pair, you know, if we're thinking yeah. of the hands. He has no playing. showdown value at this point. He has absolutely no showdown value, but... I think this has to be a two-street plan because Peters can have, you know, he could have turned diamonds. Yeah. He could have ace-10, which is an open-ender now. So, like, or ace-9. You know, there, there are other hands that are not that strong that were yeah. that are definitely calling turn that we're going to have to bluff. So if we make this play with king-queen, we're essentially jamming a lot of rivers. There might be a few that we, we're not jamming, I guess. I would lean towards if both flush draws miss. Or maybe not so jamming, but betting river. Betting big, yeah. Yeah. We unblock both flush draws, which is good if both of them miss, because then there are a few more hands that Peters could maybe have that called the turn with a flush draw, you know. So I I think if both flush draws miss, you know, and we don't improve, then it's probably good to either jam or bet big. 
If if one of the draws comes in, it's tricky because there are a lot of other things Peters could have too. But it, point being, it, yes, this definitely has to be a two street plan. And like like you said, there are going to be a ton of rivers we're bluffing on here. Let me ask you. So Graham oh, uh, Graham leads now king queen um, on the six eight jack nine two tone board with Peters having essentially. I would say his hand is probably doesn't have much showdown value at this point, even though it's ace high. Yeah, it, it has basically none except we happen to be ahead. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We happen to be in this case and far ahead, but only against a few hands, right, like king, queen. But anyways, um, do we ever turn our hand into a bluff here with ace seven of clubs with how much equity we have against? I mean, say he has jack, queen, uh, nine, ten suited. I guess those aren't, aren't going to fold to a jam, but they're probably not. My instinct is to just call. We're getting a great price okay. and position. I, yeah, I'm curious. I'm not sure what you know if I would ever take that line or not, but it was a thought that came by. So uh, Graham bets 220K, and Peters lands on call. Yep, so we got 1.1 million in the middle here. And then we get an interesting, interesting river card, the 10 of diamonds. So, yeah. so now there's four to a straight out there multiple ways um, and three diamonds. So... They both river a straight. They both river a straight, right? So Peters has uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten jack, uh, whereas Graham has eight, nine, ten jack, queen, king. I mean, that's six. <laughs> yeah, they're straight, both six cards. <laughs> they're six card straight. Yeah. So Graham has the nut straight. Peters has the low end of a straight. The, yeah. It was the the backdoor diamonds came in, so Graham doesn't have the nuts, but he definitely has a hand here where I think you need to go for value. Also, before we talk about his value, he set with the 220k on the turn and getting called, he set up almost a perfect one-to-one SPR. Yeah. Now that we're essentially nutted, I know we don't have the diamonds, but we have the nut straight. Do we just go for it all here? I would think I would think the best play is to like go for all except, you know, leave like one big blind back. So, you to know, to make it, it look bluffy? It, not even to make it it's just like as a the right play is like if you're you should just do that with your bluffs and value because the value of having that extra chip behind yeah. when you're bluffing yeah. means so much more than getting the extra chip when you're value betting. Understandable. So you should always like that's deep. I like it. Yeah, I mean that's something that the pros, the top level guys have been doing for a while, but it just makes perfect sense. And obviously, if you're gonna do something that specific, you need to do it both when you're value betting and bluffing or else it just gets way too obvious so i love it i love it so graham decides to not go with the all in sizing he goes with yeah he goes for 605k so just a little over half pot yeah which is interesting i mean i like it in the sense that against peter's specific hand it's a little bit better because peter's has even though he rivered the straight it's really just a bluff catcher because on this super wet river i mean we already kind of established graham couldn't have a pocket pair so he's not going to have a set he's not going to bet two pair here yeah so he's basically saying i either have a straight or a flush or a bluff and as peters we can't beat a flush we're we can't beat a qu- any queen yeah, we can't beat any queen. Which our opponent has a lot of. I mean, like the jack queen suit is the king queens, the king queen suited. Yeah. We don't know. Is he going to bet us up? Like maybe we'll sometimes be chopping here. And then all we can beat is a bluff, but how, you know, what is He bluffing? shouldn't even have too many sevens in his range with the pre-flop from small blind call either. Maybe seven, eight suited or something. Yeah, a couple. Maybe. Um, 
so, that could be diamond. Yeah, diamond, I think, so. I'm, and if I'm uh, Peters here, even though I have the straight, the butt end of the straight, I mean, what a dumbass run out, right? But I think I'm going to just find the fold here, knowing that his range, I mean, his range is pretty narrow from the small blind at this point. Yeah, the queen, like him having something like king queen or queen 10 suited that turned to straight or like queen jack, those make a decent amount of sense. And if you think about what he might have bluffed on the turn, like, man, how, what, obviously, like, if if we were to throw this in some sort of solver, there would be, there would be some bluffs, but man, they're hard to find. Like, they're really hard to find. I see a lot more value than I see bluffs. Yeah. Like, even a lot of the strong hands, like, queen he, 10 of diamonds on the turn, even though the 10, I, before we, the 10 of diamonds on the river, he could, like, the only bluff I could think is, like, well, that's the nuts oh, like queen ten's the nuts on the turn. Um, king, mind. king ten, king ten. Okay, so I, I think king ten is probably the the hand to bluff with, it, and it has it, to be suited for him to call from the small blind. I would think so. Yeah. So like, king ten suited, it's a good turn bluff, and then recognizing that the pair of tens on the river. Is so like, king ten of diamonds or king ten of clubs are like essentially. Yeah, I mean, he, he could have the other king ten suited, but even that is just so hard to. That's not many combinations. Yeah, yeah. It, it's much easier to find the value bet than it is a bluff in this sort of okay. spot. So be, David, being the consummate pro he is, he lands, does find the fold. He lands. He lands on a fold. Honestly, like I just don't think it's that terribly hard of a fold. I know you were thinking it was like more of a tough spot, but you're a fish, so we're. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I expect these spots to be tougher for you than they would be for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just coming out fired. This is why I fired you at the beginning of the show. God damn it. I love you, bro. <laughs> oh, um, that was a good a good third hand. Let's get into some final table hands here before we wrap things up. All right. So I've been kind of pulling our weight this whole podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. You haven't done anything. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's but, get into my Yeah. Hands. Why don't we get into a couple <laughs> of your hands? You got, you got some from the final table. I do. So the very first hand um, is a great example of pot control, not how to not lose your stack with a massive, absolutely massive draw and a heads up pot. Um, it probably has a lot to do with final table dynamics. At, exactly. Being at the final, final table here. So we are now at the final table. There's six left in this hand. Um, ICM is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have $2 million to first, and current payout, I think, is current payout is 400000 So, yep. Yeah. So 400K to six, $2 million to first. Um, so essentially, to start off the hand here. We actually miss the, the the video doesn't show the pre-flop action due to an interview happening, but it's easy to figure out that Nielsen opened from uh, from the cutoff with pocket jacks two x, mm-hmm. and then Schroeder defended the big blind with nine ten of diamonds. Okay, so there's currently three point three million in the pot. Nielsen has uh, let's see thirty six million at 600 uh 600k bb and schroeder has 26.2 million so it's like 60 bigs versus 43 or 44 exactly so they're both relatively deep being with uh six-handed at a final table with all this money in play yeah and i think it's good to know so the the shortest stack here is it looks like just under 25 bigs a lot of stacks are similar yeah so Mm -hmm. both of them there's no really short stacks i guess um uh, the shortest stack looks like to be 22 bigs or something like that. Yeah. Um, anyways, so back to the hand. Uh, Nielsen opens pocket jacks. Schroeder defends the 9, 10 of diamonds. I'm not familiar with any of these remaining players besides Matt Glance. These are all unknowns to me. Same same for me. Um, 
So the flop comes, five of diamonds, queen of diamonds, jack of clubs. First off, I want to mention, I think everything is pretty standard at this point. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was oh, a min-raise. Yeah, uh, min-raise jacks, defend nine, ten of diamonds. Like, that. that's just always going to happen that way. I mean, you could three-bet nine, ten of diamonds, but I wouldn't. Not in a final table when you're up against a bigger stack. Yeah, exactly. Just not so, the time to do it. Exactly. So, um, so Schroeder essentially flops the up and down draw. He's got nine, ten of diamonds. So any king or any eight will give him a straight, and any diamond will give him a flush. And Nielsen flops middle set with pocket jacks. Yeah, so this is already a cooler. I'm ex- whichever way it ends. Up. Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of chips to go into the middle in this pot. So it starts off uh, with Schroeder checking the nine ten of diamonds. If I'm if we're Nielsen here and we have jacks on the five queen jack two diamond, are we going to size up? I think there's an argument for it. Yeah, I mean we have a perfect hand in the sense that we have a set. We basically have the nuts here because we're yep. not expecting to be against queens. Yeah, out of three bed pre and but it's better to unblock top pair. So we could get some serious value if. Schroeder has a queen here. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also a wet board, so we can get value from draws. We can, you know, maybe induce action. Or, you, you know, if he has a queen, it's, like, reasonable to think we could be barreling with a draw as yeah. well. I would probably go half pot or maybe even a little bit more um, just because of how juicy this board is, how wet it is. Um, Nielsen actually doesn't though he goes exactly third pot 1.1 into 3.3 million yeah if you're schroeder with nine ten of diamonds here obviously we have no showdown value but we have so much equity Mm -hmm. um and being with how much icm is on the line are you going to be raising this hand are you going to be just calling trying to realize your equity my plan is usually going to be in this sort of spot specifically just call call and then hopefully get there um, yeah, I think calling is what exactly what I would do as well. There might be some scenarios in some specific tournaments where I might check raise this this specific hand being so strong, but a lot of the times I'm just going to be trying to realize equity and then getting the chips in, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are two things. It's one, the ICM, and then also the fact that this board, you're not representing a ton when you check raise from the big blind. Yeah, um, I mean, if pocket it was like fives a, or maybe jack queen. Yeah, if, you, if there was like a... Eight six five board where you can have all the straights, yeah, all two the pairs, straights, two pair, like, and then you have a draw, like a you know, let's say it's eight six five two diamonds, and you have ten nine of diamonds, so you have a gutter, two overs, and a flush draw. Yeah, then it makes more sense to raise because not only do you have the equity, but you have you have a lot more. You're sort of saying you could have. That's that's a great example. Uh, it's that's a great point because I think that this board where the jack and the queen are up there, it interacts a lot more with the preflop openers range. So we're not going to get as many folds due to that mm-hmm. compared to where you said if it was like a smaller flop that smashes our range instead of his. Yep. All right. So yeah. So Nielsen uh, Schroeder checks. Nielsen bets third pot, and Schroeder lands on call. We're loving it so far. I mean, he just wants to, you know. To realize his equity here. Yeah, um, which he has a ton of. Yeah, we get the three of spades on the turn, just a complete brick. Um, if I'm shorter, I'm always checking here. Yep, I'm, I'm no reason the- to, you know, no reason to do anything else. There wouldn't be any... Even if you somehow turn two pair with a three, yeah. you're not suddenly just... Imagine doing something stupid like block betting here. And then, I mean, block betting doesn't even make sense. I mean, donk block betting. I don't know. Yeah. The, and then just getting raised and having to fold or whatever you have to do. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, it wouldn't be a good play, but there could be... The only logic for it would be like, oh, I want to get a cheap price on my draw. Yeah. 
that, I then, mean, that's the point. But then you would also risk get losing, raised, yeah, yeah, getting raised, which uh, I, we know Nielsen would probably do here with the middle set. With this hand. Or with second yeah. set. So um, Schroeder checks. Nielsen um, now bets, what? He bets 4.5 into 6. Uh, 6.5, is that right? Oh, no, into 5.5, 5. yeah. So he bets 4.5 into 5.5. I like this because now we know that our opponent either has, like, a queen or some sort of diamond draw. Um, yeah. he, I guess he could have... A mean, straight draw. Yeah, or, yeah. Or he the has, last jack. But yeah, he, he's got something, and, like, this card, you know, if we had a draw, we would keep firing big here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I agree. I, I do think, though, your point of him, he should have bet a little larger on the flop. yeah. I think that is a good point because now when he bets like 80% on the turn, if he gets called, his opponent is still going to have like 1.3 times the pot behind him. Yeah. If we had bet larger on the flop, we could bet like 80% on the turn and make it so on the river the stacks are more reasonable to where we could get it all in. Exactly, yeah. So I think sizing up the flop could have made – I mean he, he could have potentially got all the chips in the middle – yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I think for listeners, it's always good to sort of keep these things in mind when you're on the flop, like size your betting, yes, in proportion to the pot, but also in proportion to the effective stack. Yeah. And, you know, kind of know what you want to do on later streets. Okay. Um, um I, I Yeah, it's a great point. And so if we're Schroeder here, again, I think because we have so much equity still, um, we're just going to be calling here, yeah, almost every time. Yeah, we call and we have some implied odds too. If like an, especially if a straight rolls off, like we could get, a, maybe he'll check back on a flush. But if he has like a set or two pair, or king queen and the river is a king, like we can easily get a very large bet out of yeah. this guy in the river. So now there's 14.5 million in the pot. This thing is getting big now. Um, the river comes a five of clubs. So Schroeder just completely whiffs all the way. Um, before we get into the action, what I would do here is, I'm, I mean, I'm always just check folding. Yeah. Like, it sucks that we lost this pot. We gave our, oppor- our we gave ourselves the best opportunity to win it as played. So I think Schroeder um, nailed it the way he played it in this specific scenario. He lands on check. Nielsen, what does Nielsen bet into it? So Nielsen over jam, or he over bet pot jams. Yeah, for like 1.3. And obviously, you know, gets the fold. I, I kind of like the bet, but as you know, as we had kind of talked about, it would be better if there was a little bit more in the pot already and the bet, the jam was more like pot one size. One to one, yeah, yeah. SPR stack to pot ratio, exactly. So, uh, yeah, obviously he can't find the call there with 10 high, so he, yeah. he, so he folds. But I think the biggest takeaway or that made this hand interesting is how big those two hands were and how uh, the nine ten of diamonds figured out a way to not go bust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, played very well, I think, by both. I think the only the only thing I would do differently is bet a bit bigger on the flop. Yep. With the yeah, set of like checks. you said, because, I mean, against his hand there, he could have found a way to maybe get it all in. All right, Wes, so like you said, I got to carry my weight here. Hand number two from the final table, this will actually be the last hand we cover on this, uh, is a very interesting one, and in my opinion, quite the punt. <laughs> There's five <laughs> left. We love those. It's, yeah, we do love talking and watching punts. So... Five left in the WSOP Paradise main event. Um, I think, let's see, payouts right now is they're guaranteed 510K with 2 million up top. Um, it starts off, it folds to Sousa, um, who's on the button. He has Queen Nine of Spades. It's 600K BB level. He raises to 1.2. So two big blinds. 
with queen nine of spades. Uh, I think this is completely standard. Yep. Let's see, our opponent, our, we have, what, 34 bigs to start the hand? Yep. Yeah, so queen nine of spades, slam dunk open on the button. Folds to the big blind, Shklenika. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right. <laughs> Probably butchered it. It's but pretty I, close. Um, I don't know if I could do it. He has the ace of clubs, queen of hearts. He's also uh, the chip leader right now in the tournament, or he's tied for chip lead in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, he three bets, and so he actually sizes up this three bets. I think it's four and a half X he goes. So it goes from 1.2 to 5.1. Yeah, so 4.25 basically, yeah, which is yeah. like, if you're deep, that's a pretty normal sizing. Um, when you're like sub 50, though, I like smaller sizings. Yeah, like three bets. especially final table where like you put so much pressure on someone. If you watch a lot of WSOP main event final tables, yeah, like their three bet and four bet sizings are so clicky. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, yeah, like the the ICM implications make it so that like you don't you know you don't need your opponent can be getting a good price as far as chips, but that yeah. doesn't mean they're getting a good price as far as the actual money that they could win. Okay. Know? So we did a little bit of math here. So going back to the action, Sousa uh, has 34 bigs, opens queen nine of spades on the button. We get three bet, relatively large by Sklenica, who's a chip leader. Are we calling with queen nine of spades? And some important factors to take into consideration are, number one, we have one stack that's shorter than us, Matt Glantz. He's almost tied with us. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, After If we were to fold, we'd essentially be tied uh, dead even with him. Are we flatting here? This is a really awkward one because if we flat, suddenly the pot's going to be like 12 million and we'll have, you know, 16 behind. Yeah. We have a hand that can flop kind of well, but we're also not. Yeah. I think what I would do is probably just the hand, even though the hand's pretty and it's painful, I'd probably land on a fold just for ICM reasons. And also, I think. What Seuss thinking here, though, is that Sklenika is going to be just three betting a little bit lighter, applying pressure on stacks due to ICM. Which I think is, yeah, it's definitely accurate. It's, it's, a fair, to th- it's fair to think about. However, I don't believe it justifies his next move. <laughs> uh, so, and, and go- getting to the point here, um, Sousa then four bet jams over Sklenika's three bet with the queen nine of spades to 34 bigs. He just rips it all in. Yeah. And he gets called and loses. He gets snap called by ace queen and loses. You know, he gives that grimacing face like, oh, should have got snap called. So I understand that Sousa is thinking that Sklenica is Sklenica is three betting light because of ICM and chip, si- chip stack sizes. I don't think that's enough information to justify four bet ripping with a smaller stack than you. Homeboy wants to win, though, clearly. Yeah. And like, OK, so my instinct is the exact same as yours. Like, I would get out of here with this hand. I would fold the queen nine suited. It probably is some sort of a thing where like there are certain hands that you can fight back with. Um, You know, you want to be like suited. You want, you know, I don't know. There, I don't know anything about this guy, so I don't know how studied he is. Maybe this is a thing that's just supposedly good, but it, yeah, to me, it feels very punty. Like if I did it, I, I would not, this is not something I would do, essentially. There's five people left in the WSOP Paradise main event final table. Like, this play is out of line. Yeah, and so we did a little calculation here. Yeah. Um, so bef- I, I think the biggest takeaway from this, and we could have even done this for the last hand, but, like, figuring out the ICM value of stacks. So 
At this point, minimum payout's 510K, first place is 2 million. And before the hand started, Sousa's stack was worth $955,000. Literally, in real dollars. In real dollars. His stack, 34 big blinds is worth, how much did you say? 955,000. So his stack is worth a million dollars. Yeah. That's insane. Which is insane, yeah. Obviously, when he busts, it's he has 500. It's worth 500,000. So he just lost 445k. Okay. In real dollars in this hand. If he were to call if he were to rip it and win the hand, what would his stack be worth? So if he and this is a very important point. If he doubled up this hand. So if he had twice the amount, over twice the amount of chips at the end of the hand, his stack would be worth, quote unquote, only 1.21 million. So he would lose 400K if he lost the hand. Yeah, 440. 440, 440K if he lost the hand, but he would only gain like 250K if he were to win the hand. Yeah, so this is a really good lesson. And obviously in the moment, you're not going to be knowing these exact numbers, but it's a really good, um, it's a really good gauge on like, how important stack preservation is. And like, if he doubles up, that doesn't mean he has double the money. Now in a cash game, if you double up, you have double the money in a tournament, in a final table. If you double up, like he, he gains what, like two fifty in actual dollars. Yeah. You know, that is, that's like, I don't know. It, it basically comes out to like, he would need to win the pot 60% of the time instead of 50% of the time, some, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, even if he doubles here, he's not putting himself in any commanding position to 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 win the tournament. Yeah, and so so it means that, like, this four-bet jam, as a obviously as a bluff, it has to work so much more frequently than usual. Yeah. And, you know, you can extrapolate and say, like, in situations, like, let's say where you're calling a four-bet jam and you're the one at risk – you have to have a much better you have to have much better odds than usual to make it a good call you know you know what we've been doing wrong this whole time wes what's that we've been giving good information yeah what the hell you know what we should be doing so let's let's restart this hand history uh, over uh so susa four bet jams the queen nine of spades i really like this play i really the only thing i would do differently is just open limp i would limp yeah no i would limp um yeah, I would open limp and then three bet jam over the button with the queen nine of spades. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's you know, we just have so many chips, they're just gonna fold a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. they're gonna fold and you know, we're feeling lucky. So <laughs> I mean, you see that bracelet he's got on, like he's he, that's his lucky bracelet. He's got so. a lucky bracelet. The chips are green and purple, which are his favorite colors. Like yeah, very intimidating beard too. Like yeah. you know, who's gonna call off a jam from this guy? Yeah, so <laughs> I think this would be much more profitable for our bankrolls. At least let's do, let's continue yeah. with these. <laughs> we should just start making episodes of like teaching everyone how to punt, how but to like punt. framing it as a correct good strategy. God, that's so good. I love it. Um, yeah, so that will actually wrap up all of our hand histories from the WSOP Paradise main event final table. I want to give a big congrats to Shklinika, who ended up... Or no, I mean Zigal. <laughs> <laughs> Someone won this damn tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for winning the WSB Paradise main event, I'm surprised that they ended up hitting all the guarantees that they promised, being with the WPT going on, being with it in the Bahamas, where it's hard to get money in and out of. Yeah. Like, there's so many different things. Um, there's a bunch of cool uh, hand histories to go over today, though, like... What a bunch of punts. We got some pot control and we got a bunch of cool different scenarios. 
moving forward, it is the end of the year. We're coming up on Christmas here. Um, our next episode, we're going to do an episode based on math and how to figure out calculations, especially for people who aren't good at that kind of stuff to help them improve their game. Yeah, I'm super excited for this one because this is like... Because you're a nerd. I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's always been my strength is math. And you don't need to be, you know, some math wizard. You don't need to be figuring out the exact odds in the moment. But you do need to sort of understand the math theory behind why you make a value bet or what price you're getting, you know, cause you can have a great read on roughly what someone, you know, you can narrow them down to a few hands, but then, you know, let's say you're getting three to one and you're like, ah, I think I'm probably beat. So I fold. And it could be the case where like, well, you should, you should call because you're probably good. Like 30% of the time. Yeah. I do look forward to getting into those with you as I think that will help my game a lot as well, um, as well as other people. So yeah. we'll, we got a nice math episode coming up for you. I know that sounds boring, but this one will We're be... We're going to get like two yeah. listens. No, no. This one will be good though, because this is what people actually need to know to improve their game. So make sure to stick around next week for that one. Um, until then, I guess we will uh, see you on the next one.